recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, this is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, we're going to be talking to a world champion. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be here this week. I'm excited about our guest. I can't wait uh, to talk to uh, EC3, and we're going to get to, to him here in a minute. But as you and I traditionally do, we have a, a few housekeeping things to cover. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, man, was this past week in wrestling. What a week. Your friend, longtime friend, Adam Copeland, he had his first AEW match. And, buddy, it just wasn't a standard night for AEW. They went head-to-head with NXT. It was so built up. up. I didn't know who was going to show up next. I thought they were going to pull you out of the woodwork. We saw Undertaker, John Cena. Uh, Cody was the general manager on NXT. They had all the stars. And, by the way, the ratings just came out, and it worked. Uh, they they did over 900,000 viewers. AEW did 600,000. Man, what did you think about all this? Oh, I think that WWE is ruthless. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they heard about Edge going to be on AEW. Oh, yeah. Oh, they knew they all about up it. On NXT. It's a great idea. I mean, you know, but they, they are ruthless, man. They, they want to get ratings, and they don't want anybody to beat them. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, as much as Tony Khan tried his best, he had a great card put together top to bottom. But uh, listen, WWE, man, it's still the big brother, still the big show in town. And they prove it. It is. It's the machine. And when you can pull from guys like The Undertaker and John Cena and sprinkle them into your programming, I mean, talk about it. That's crazy, man. It, it, It was. But I tell you what, you know who wins? We, the fans and all us. Yes. Oh, this is great. This is great for the fans, you know, having this kind of television, pulling out all these superstars going up against each other. This is what the fans want. It's what the fans need. Do you sit back and watch some of this and be like, man, if only back when I was in TNA, we could have drummed up this much. I don't want to say competition or buzz against WWE. What could have been, man? Well, we did. We actually did. We tried. We tried every, every, you know, we tried so hard. I mean, there was one point where I believe uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, uh, Scott Steiner, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, myself, Sting, we were all in TNA. And we were doing pretty good ratings at that particular time. We were doing like 2.1 million on Spike, but we still weren't able to compete with WWE. And I just think it's because of money. I just don't think that uh, TNA had enough money to compete with them. Yeah, and I think there's other things right now. Uh, you know, AEW, a lot of people are saying need better storytelling and different things, but that's for another show, uh, Kurt, another topic. We'll let the, 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 the folks, or the experts, 
and trust me, there are plenty of them. If you just go to X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it these days, there, these days there's a lot of experts out there that think they can tell all the problems of what's going on. That's that's not what we do here. But uh, it is fun to talk about and keep up with a little bit of current product. Uh, Kurt, let's transition a little bit because the other fun that we're having at the top of the show every week is what you're doing on the football side. And buddy, you that went two week. and zero, oh, two and zero oh last week. 49ers dominated the Cowboys. I mean, what the hell did they, I mean, that was a big matchup for Sunday night and they came out and whipped the Cowboys ass 49ers. They're going to the Super Bowl this year, man. They're my team. <laughs> you heard it here first. Super Bowl bound this year. They might need another year or two, but eventually they'll get there. They the will. Steelers. Yeah. yeah. Hey, they squeaked it out. They got it there. The defense, TJ Watt, I can't say enough about their effort. But yeah, man, your your record is really looking strong. Seven and three overall. And uh, we're going to keep it going once again. So let's jump into it. You're, I, I, you got the week six NFL schedule there. I want your ankle lock, your angle lock, not your ankle lock. I don't want that from you. Give me your ankle lock, your angle lock, and give me your angle upset for week six, brother. I'm going to go with Kansas City over Denver. That's my angle lock. I believe okay. uh, they're going to win. They're going to keep winning. Kansas City is, I think, the best team in the AFC. Uh, but the upset win, I believe, is going to be the Bears over the Vikings. And I'm going to explain why. The Bears are uh, going to be actually at home. The yes. Vikings are favorites, though. But they're both one and four. They're both having horrible seasons. But I'm, I think the Bears are going to win because they're at home. They're at home, and Justin Jefferson, he's going to be out for a while. He's the, their star receiver of the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, he's out with injury. Yes, sir. So that's a lot to overcome. All right, so we got Kansas City and Chicago are your two picks. I had a, I had someone hit me up and say, Paul, we want to hear who your picks are, too. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Listen, am I so, okay, you know who I'm picking? I'm going to take Cincinnati at home over Seattle this week. I feel like Joe Burrow. He lit it up with Jamar Chase last week, so I'm going Cincinnati at home against he, he, Seattle. He's a he's a pretty consistent quarterback. Well, and he, he was struggling a little bit. They were he was with that calf injury, but man, my God, he came back big time last week. So I'm going to pick Cincinnati in my survivor pool. I'm in a survivor pool uh, with Mike Kyoto and others on ad free shows. Uh, but all good stuff. Kurt, last piece of business before we get to our host, and that is you and I talked about it last week, but here on Ad-Free Shows, we brought Lex Luger into the fold. The debut episode came out uh, with Lex, and it's available right now. If you haven't signed up, you need to sign up. He answers questions from the fans. It's live. It's interactive. You are brought right into the screen with Conrad Thompson and Lex Luger. And uh, Lex talks about firing the first shots on the Monday Night Wars, the infamous cage match with Bruiser Brody and he shares a real story behind Vince McMahon promising him the title 30 years ago and we have a short clip I'm going to play for you check it out I feel like like I was going to be the baby face he, and contrary property he never promised me the title or said I was going to be the champion um, that wasn't part of that so I wasn't shocked I didn't get it at SummerSlam although it would have been helpful yeah. if I wanted lost it obviously um, with that big a buildup. And he, uh, he always felt that if I was going to win the title, he'd rather do it, make a special. The garden was always a very special place for Vince, which I could get into. Uh, most people know that. He, he, if he put the title on me, he wanted to do it at WrestleMania 10 at the garden. So That's really, it. SummerSlam was never really in the mix for me to win the title. Although in retrospect, looking back now, it probably would have been a good idea if they took it right back off of me. It probably would have been good to come through for the fans 
with that big a buildup instead of the balloons coming out of the ceiling and not win. Dude, where else are you going to get stories like this from from a legend like Lex Luger than than over yeah, at Afri Show? He's a legend, man. He has an incredible story too. I love the guy. Yeah. Hey, listen, check it out over there. Lex Expressed, it's on. Plus, we got a lot of other exclusive series. Tuesday with the Taskmaster, you get Kevin Sullivan, the Insiders, Ask Conrad, so much more. And uh, can't put over what we have going over on ad-free shows enough. But enough. It's time. We have him. He's here with us. And uh, Kurt, are you ready to bring in EC3, buddy? Sir. All right, let's do it. Joining us today, EC3. EC3, welcome, man. Glad to have you with us here on the Kurt Angle Show. It is a genuine honor to be a part of the Kurt Angle Show. And, you know, like I said, before we jumped on, your voices often put me to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I I digress. I wake up to them because I let the podcast go. But now I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a big advocate. Love you guys. So thank you for having me. Thanks, EC3. It's been a long time, man. I haven't seen you in, geez, I don't know how long, what, six, seven years? <laughs> time isn't even real, it seems like, ever since 2020. It just doesn't really exist. But, you know, in those six or seven years, I kind of I did something, you know? <laughs> Look at that. Yes, the 10 pounds of gold, baby. Yeah. No. That's the smart ass I love. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, listen, we're going to jump right into it, EC3. we got a lot of questions that we want to cover off with you. And first of all, it's an honor to have you on the Kurt Angle Show. But before uh, we get into your first title reign with the NWA, you've been wrestling for over 20 years. That's wild. Uh, Isn't that crazy to think about? That's absurd. I'm not even 30 yet. That's why it's so crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely like a long time. And I don't know if Kurt kind of feels this way too, but with like sustained injuries and surgeries and things like that. So through the course of my career, you know, a couple ACL tears and a couple dislocations and bulging discs. And if you add up the time, I've probably only been wrestling 16 years and three months, but, <laughs> but who's counting, right? <laughs> yeah. Three years but, and nine months injured. Is that what yeah. You're yeah. Yeah. But you know what, when we talk about your NWA reign now here in 2023, is this something that you ever imagined back in 2002 when you started? I would say in 2002, this is not something I imagined. It's not something I manifested. It's not something I, you know, dreamed of, so to speak, because as we'll probably get to later, the moment I manifested and dreamed of, I, I did actually have prior to this. But to, to think about the NWA and the legacy and where it was in 2002 to where we are now, like, no, this was not on the radar. But as a company, with the growth I think we're having, with you know, me as me at the helm, where I want this company to go, where W or William Patrick Corrigan wants the company to go. I think uh, it's not what I imagined or where I would be, but it's where I need to be. Hmm. Well, you worked with Johnny Gargano earlier in your career. Yeah. That's someone on your list that you'd like to get back in the ring with. Yeah. I'd love to gorilla press him and throw him into the sun. You know, <laughs> now, <clears throat> Johnny is a, a Cleveland native. So we kind of came up, Similarly, on Independence, though, he became kind of like, you know, a super indie name. Well, my path was different. I went through developmental systems and things like that. But, uh, yeah, he's a hell of a talent. Cleveland has a unique um, ability to create wrestlers. So Johnny would be great. I think the only time we've ever wrestled on WWE television was one match on NXT. But I do remember uh, an Evolve show. So it was myself and Drew Galloway versus uh, Johnny Gargano. I can't remember the tag partner, but it was in Tampa. It was in Ybor City. 
And just the other day, someone sent me a, a picture where we're brawling in like a buggy, like a horse drawn carriage going through the city where we're just, you know, <laughs> that's great. You, uh, you mentioned it, it while you were kind of answering uh, the question there, but man, you went everywhere earlier on in your career, Cleveland to OVW. I mean, it just felt like you were going to go wherever you needed to, to make yourself better. Isn't that right? I would say so. Like my path was always going to be through a system of like a developmental territory. So that was always my goal. Like, you know, I had really good independent wrestling training, but you want more, you need more. Where do the best go? At the time I went to OVW, it was the uh, developmental system for the WWE where you know, I was going through Rip Rogers' intermediate class, so if you were not under contract, you had the ability to at least train in the facility, and you'd be at TV, and sometimes you'd be used. And uh, when things started going pretty well for me there, I wound up tearing my ACL. So that set me back home. Then my path kind of went through to get reestablished, to get back on the radar. I paid, I don't know, $1,200 to try out at FCW, but that's how I got signed to the WWE originally. Invest in yourself is what I tell young people. You did invest in yourself. That's right. Who was your biggest influence or made you want to become a professional wrestler? <laughs> yeah. Paul Cromwell. <laughs> oh, man. I remember watching Paul when I was a kid. The way he would German soup like when he did that moonsault off the cage. Not to blow smoke, but. Kurt was definitely one of the bigger influences. Nice. Well, EC3 explained, uh, weren't you a uh, amateur wrestler in high school? I, I was an amateur backyard wrestler. No, the one thing I regret about life, two things I regret. One, when I tried to enlist in the Marines, they wouldn't take me because I had asthma, which was mm. weird to me. Yeah. But I could have lied about it, I guess. And then the second was, I amateur wrestled, but not hard and not enough. And that's the one sport I have the utmost respect for because it's mano y mano. You're dependent on yourself. All this, you know, the training and the cutting, everything you have to do, like, that's the mindset I have. And I do regret not fulfilling that and going for that at some point in my life. You definitely understand it, man. Yeah. We're <laughs> psychotic. It's just wired, complete maniacs. But like, growing up as a kid, I liked I liked wrestling. I don't know if I loved it. I liked Hulk Hogan. I liked the ultimate warrior. I kind of got into bad guys like Hulk, um, Rick Rude and Kurt Henning. But when I really, I, I knew it was something I wanted to do. It was come 99, 2000, and you were leading that charge. We want to pause this episode of the Kurt Angle Show to tell you about Kurt and I's new favorite app, and it's game time. It's the place to go for tickets to all things sports, comedy shows, concerts, wrestling, you name it, Game Time has it, especially those last-second tickets when you're on the fence but just not sure. And I'm telling you, if you can find tickets cheaper on another site, Game Time's going to credit you 110% back. They even have event cancellation protection. So if your favorite performer decides to cancel, they have protection for you in that event. They also have a 24-hour return guarantee. I'm telling you, I've had some terrible experiences with all the other ticket apps out there, not with game time. They even provide job loss assurance. No one else has that. If you prove proof of job loss, they're going to refund your tickets. I don't know that it gets any more fan-friendly than that. So snag the tickets now without the stress with game time. You can download the game time app 
create an account and use code ANGLE for $20 off your first purchase. That's right. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ANGLE for $20 off. Download it today. Last-minute tickets. Remember, lowest price, and it's guaranteed. So many great events. You can take advantage of it now. Whether you're a fan of the NFL, wrestling, music, it doesn't matter. As I said, game time has it all. You can see awesome pictures of the seats. Look at the sections, and they are so fan-friendly. There's no mistake about it. Game time is the app for you. So check it out now. Create an account. Use code ANGLE and $20 off your first purchase. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Let's uh, let's dig in a little bit on Kurt Angle here because, let's. you know, why the hell not? It's the Kurt Angle show. So Kurt Angle, right? He comes out. He's the nerdy milk chugging. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> kind of goober style wrestler. Eventually, he, he becomes also the wrestling machine. Did you have a favorite version of Kurt as far as in your fandom? Man, I mean, that's like picking your favorite father. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your? Who, what's your favorite Batman? Well, Chris <laughs> is my favorite Batman, but I thought Ben Affleck was a really good Bruce Wayne, and I think Michael Keaton was Batman when I was a kid, and even Val Kilmer wasn't bad. It's hard to say, yeah. but I do think it was really uh, 2001 Stone Cold Feud, Kurt Angle, you know, SummerSlam, and Unforgiven, like that little turn of events, and I think it was a. Uh, the ankle lock at SummerSlam where he had Stone Cold on the announce table. Vividly, <laughs> where he had the blue singlet, but we had the gold trim. It was like so dope. And he actually <laughs> hit the moonsault. He hit the moonsault in that match. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just him raging with the DQ finish and like he's, you know, aesthetically, artistically, the blood. Like that was a moment. Like that was probably my favorite curtain. Kurt, I always think it's so cool when we have wrestlers on that are s- successful in, in the craft and they can come on and get into a detail like that about you and your career. I know. It's pretty I, impressive. I just watched Unforgiven the other day. I was trapped in an airport and like I was going through Instagram and somebody had just a clip of that match where left foot kick from Stone Cold and you throw the ankle lock on and he taps under the rope. And I'm like, dude, that was a match from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. right after 9-11. And like I went back and watched it, and God, the way you guys move, the way you guys go, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I could just see Stone Cold. You, you barely talked to the guy prior before that match, right. and you go 25 minutes, kick ass, you know. Just, He's an intense son of a bitch, man. I heard he blew you up in Fresno. Is that true? Ah, uh, hey, screw you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Ah, uh, this is already so good. So let's talk about it. You mentioned it. Your early run in FCW under a WWE developmental contract. What was that? A tough transition moving uh, into that into FCW there. One thing, because <clears throat> I'm like really trying to inspire and kind of guide, coach younger talents now, is coming from an independent scene. What you don't know when you step into the rings with you know these eyes, these coaches, these kind of critiques 
changes your perspective totally. So when I went there as an indie guy, like I'm in good shape. I'm six one. I'm you know pretty jacked, playing black trunks. But like, what am I doing on the indies? I'm power bombing dudes. I'm diving over the top rope. I'm rolling German suplexing guys. And I get into an FCW ring for the first practice, and I'm I'm blown up doing headlock takeovers, like I, stuff you don't you don't even think about doing at that level. So I really try to condition and coach up fundamentals and the necessity necessity of them, not just if they're in that moment, but the fact the old stuff works so well still. Well, when NXT launched its fourth season, Daniel Bryan was your mentor. Yeah. If the world was perfect and the forbidden door was still open, yeah. would you like to defend the NWA title against Brian Daniels? I would 100% as long as the uh, small package is outlawed because I know he does a finish. <laughs> now, I worked with Daniel Bryan uh, once because we did one match against each other on that NXT season four. And like you wrestle good guys, but then you lock up with a guy like that and you're just, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. And that just, just that moment takes you up from this plateau to the next level. Amazes you. Man, let's speak it into existence right here on the Kurt Angle Show. We want EC3, Brian Danielson, baby. Come oh, on. I, I would pay big money to see that. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's a thing, <clears throat> one thing I do coach up in independent guys and things like that is just because you can do moves doesn't necessarily mean you should. So one example I like to point to is it's NXT season four. I'm Timo Daniel Bryan. And like I said, I would do dives. Me and him both hit these stereo suicide dives through the middle rope. Off the rope, you know, land. Yeah, it's so cool. When I watch it back, mine looks so bootleg compared to his. And that's kind of, that was a lightning bolt for me where it's just like, oh, like he's the best one doing this move. I probably shouldn't do it ever, and especially not next to him. So it's just just because you can fly out of the ring doesn't mean you necessarily should. Should be. Yeah, there's art and a grace. And I think physicality with purpose is something we're missing in wrestling today. And like Mm. his had purpose. Well, mine had, hey, I'm kind of athletic. Look at me fly. That's that's a good point. So I want to talk to you because I also believe you were the only uh, guy who was an NXT rookie twice. Do you think you got a fair shake during that run with the WWE? And a two-time NXT rookie, I'm a full-time 24-7 champion. I mean, where's my Hall of Fame induction? <laughs> two-time rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's part of your speech, man, right there. Wow, that, that is a real loser. Thanks. <laughs> but, like, <clears throat> the, the thing about NXT Season 4 was nobody gave a shit about yeah. We were on the internet. In, in theory, though, we weren't just on the internet. We were on international TV, and millions of people were watching this horse shit. But <laughs> the amount of the amount of care and priority our agents had, or our writers had, or the office had for it was non-existent. Wow. So knowing that kind of made us better, <clears throat> in a sense that, well, they don't care. What can we get away with doing? So I think what was <laughs> fun with that especially with daniel bryan who even if it was raw he wouldn't care because he's so nonchalant but it cultivated a unique uh culture where we would just do things that were entertaining and the sad thing was they started to get over and the show started picking up steam and in classic as kurt would say wwe being relentless fashion 
they got mad it was getting good. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to succeed. We're trying to bury you. But why? You pay, you pay us money, and if we get over, we make you money. I don't understand the concept, but sure, I will do what I'm told. Thank you. Well, were you disappointed with how you were handled, and were you surprised you were released? In 2020, no. I mean, of course, disappointed. The way I look at it, though, what, what changed – from 2013 and the NXT run, then being fired to the 2020 run, is that I was able to leave and, dare I say, control my narrative. And I went to Impact and I went to TNA and I became who I knew I could be with the ultimate culmination. Whereas in 2020, at the time, I was so checked out mentally and physically that when the call came, I was actually happy, despite the fact we're in a pandemic and I don't know if wrestling is even going to exist, let alone will I ever make money doing this, let alone if the world will work. But it was kind of a relief in 2020. But the disappointment, it's as self-inflicted as it was, you know, passing blame to being underutilized or not booked properly or buried because what I realized is I never once took it upon myself perhaps to make myself like I never took the shot to sink or swim, like put it all out there because Kurt might tell you it's very easy to fall in line and you very much, you want to be a good soldier. But the thing about the good soldier is they're usually the first one to get shot. but like going out there and doing what you're told and you know you're you're capable of so much more in lieu of either showing them why by putting it all out there even if that's against the grain or the script or the white paper i've had or it's knocking on the door and just i think we talked about it earlier kicking the door down and telling somebody who the fuck you really are like i did not do that so the disappointment Mm. in myself not the company don't be afraid to take a risk. You have to, because if you don't take the risk, you're never going to know. That's and I would much rather third regret. I would have rather taken the risk and got fired on the spot than, you know, executed with 20 other people during a worldwide pandemic. Mm. Let's get into uh, some good times, at least for me as a fan. And that is within months of your release from WWE EC3. You had vignettes beginning in TNA as Dixie Carter spoiled nephew uh, and uh, where did the idea come from for EC3? How did it feel to have a push, too, behind you being associated with the owner of the company? It was crazy that, like, this curly-haired idiot, <laughs> Michael Hunter, a.k.a. Derek Bateman from Cleveland, Ohio, had a billionaire aunt. And then you find out, the you know, 90 days after you get fired from your, your job, it was very interesting how that all worked out. But uh, it was... It, <clears throat> The idea came from, I believe it was John Gaborik within TNA at the time, as he was coming in, and I think Eric Bischoff, yeah, big. Eric Bischoff and Hulk were kind of on the way out, and in the thing we talk about later with what I write, there's four times within wrestling. There's the wrong place at the wrong time, the right place at the wrong time, the wrong place at the right time, but the only one that works for you is the right place at the right time. So I was in the right place at the right time because John's coming in. He knew I had charisma and talent and ability to work, look like I had ability. He needed to make new stars. 
So him coming from WWE, knowing me, I had the freedom to fail. So that idea kind of came from him. And we're tossing around names like, like what would the name of this Carter be? And I'm like, well, I've, I've never met an Ethan I liked. And so, <laughs> and then, I love it. And it was kind of too. I remember in uh, grade school, Jimmy Powell the third. I, I didn't understand why he was a third, and it it pissed me off so much. Why are you a third? I don't get it. And he was kind of a nerd, and he picked his nose. Like, <laughs> that's kind of the creative birth, the creative process. Yeah, yeah I love it. Collaboration's great creative, but through that and knowing you have a push, like I said knowing you have a little bit of freedom to try something and fail gives you just a utmost amount of confidence that is kind of negated in the WWE where it's walking on eggshells and you think if you breathe wrong, you're going to get fired. So with, with just that inch of extra confidence, I was able to, you know, take it and run with it kind of my way. It's interesting to hear people now say, and I mean, Adam Copeland, free. Yep. Feel free. Man, he's over. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, now, so EC3, what was your first impression of Dixie and TNA as a whole? Dixie was one of the sweetest and still is kindest, most gentle, you know, people I've ever met. Yep. She's it like visually would upset me when you'd see things and hear people talk about her that don't know her. And I never understood why the internet had it, you know, the knives out for her sometimes, but she was such a good person, which almost could be your, your downfall in wrestling. Right, Kurt? Yeah. yeah. Like, she's so trusting and so caring and so giving that it's very easy to, you can manipulate or take advantage, especially if this is the business you grew up in. But her, like I would say from a business perspective, you know, she didn't always know what needed to be the focus as opposed to what could probably suffer in lieu of great storytelling. And there's probably just one example I would have is before you got hurt and we didn't do the title match, we were going to have a cage match at lockdown, I think. And I think you had to get a knee scope. Yeah. And there was a promo backstage with Dixie and I where, you know, the eventual selling point of this is you versus me or I versus you. And we were talking about this promo and, you know, there's writers running around and things like that. And we were focused on a, a fucking potted plant in the background. <laughs> or she's like, I don't know if that plant looks right. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know. And then, you know, by the end of it, like uh, the segments cut 45 seconds and the whole purpose of the promo was for me to kind of brashly talk about curse is scared to fight me. And, it wasn't mentioned once. But so the, just the plant was mentioned, right? Yeah, the plant looked great, though. <laughs> so it's kind of like perspective of what's what are we seriously selling, you know? And I think if she was properly guided, she would have a better understanding of that. Mm. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever been. So this season, there's no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-generation skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you guys that smooth finish 
without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat with this Halloween special by going to manscaped.com and use code ANGLE. That's A-N-G-L-E for 20% off plus free shipping. Listen, guys, I know it's a rolling joke about all the neckbeard-loving wrestling fans, blah, 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 but Manscaped has the tool, and I use their beard trimmer once a week. That's what works for me. My go-to setting is 6.5, and it keeps my beard like I like it, nice and tight, and then I'm good to go for an entire week. My beard is even, it looks manicured, and says, yes, I take the time to take care of myself. And for all of you wolfmen with a little bit more bush to your beards, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ANGLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Please use code ANGLE and look as sweet as candy. Get yourself that handyman from Manscaped. I want to get into some of your opponents in TNA because very early on, you're given the opportunity to wrestle Sting. It's his second to last match in TNA. You win. But talk about working with a guy like Sting. And and my goodness, he's still jumping off balconies in AEW. Why? Why, Steve? Why? What are we doing? What are you thinking? Yeah. No, it's, you know, another one of those surreal moments where, you're putting together or talking to, you know, someone you watch, idolize, you know, respect the hell out of about the business you're about to take place. And I think it's very easy to be intimidated in those situations. But I think as I've grown older and had some success and, you know, Kurt's the most successful mother ever here, like you would probably respect the person who's on the come up if they're treating you as a normal person or they are business first and they try to, you know, present that. So it was very much like, I don't want to say yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it was very much. What can I do? How can I help you doing that business? And I remember too, on that show, we had like 14 minutes. Okay. I'm like 14 minutes of sting shit. You know, this is the time. Yeah. "Yeah, What are we going to do? Like, and you know, it doesn't like, talk a lot and i'm kind of still pretty green where i think i have to call everything but then we were in the <laughs> the opening promo segment led by andy and a conglomerate of people out there getting pointless business across where it went six minutes over because this is what you're doing live tv yeah and then there was another segment and i'm just standing at the go position or gorilla watching our time dwindle <laughs> and it's like minutes yeah. is going down right and i'm like oh. and it's like 10 no. Eight. Five. So, can you get this match done in six I'm like, yeah so coming out there this like kind of built a moment in my head to go against the legend was kind of like a rush and un- unsatisfactory and unfulfilling you know hmm. it was unfortunate you know what that happened quite a bit down there yeah that, that was the one thing that i really you know that that really bothered me about it was your time got cut because everybody wanted to go over. Right. And and there were no strict rules. If we had something that said, Hey, you're going to be fined a thousand dollars. If you go over now, you know, you're going to make sure you make the time. Yeah. And one thing you have to love about WWE is that uh, it's a carnal sin to go over and it's unacceptable to a point. And if you're on shows like coming from TV to to TV and like, 
somebody needs to be in charge of this and somebody needs to be a bad guy sometimes. And somebody needs to police this. And I think AEW has this a lot when I watch it, where it's just like, that's way too long, guys. And then you can see the main event work kind of checked out because they suffer the aftermath of somebody going four minutes over when it's completely unnecessary. But who has to police that? Sort of who lies at the top? Or is it something that a locker room has to police? So the other day I had a seminar tryout before my Exodus Pro show where we had Billy Corgan come in. And on day one, you know, I gave the guys five minutes for a match, a minute for your promo. And there was some leeway, 520, I don't care, minute five, that's okay. But day two, we only have Billy for two hours. Like his attention is very valuable. We have him for two hours. We need to do 12 matches and 16 promos if everybody wants to get evaluated. And I'm, I have to be strict. I have to cut you off. These promos have to go 45. These matches have to go four. There's no other way about it. And there was a couple of times they started going over and, you know, you feel like a bad guy because you're pulling an opportunity away. But at the same time, it's the ultimate test because how can you get a job on TV if you can't do TV? You know, God, listen, exactly. I'll jump in real quick here because that's something that Arn Anderson talks about a lot on his, on his podcast is, Hey, you're not, it's not about you in that moment. You're taking someone else's time away. You're being disrespectful to another wrestler and the time that they've earned to be on television. And, and he will say, if, you know, we got young wrestlers listening to this, you need to be respectful of, of your, you know, fellow wrestlers and the fact that they also have earned that right to be on TV. So it's just not about you and, oh, I went over. It's disrespectful to those that have earned that TV time. It, it really is. And, you know, somebody has to, again, play that bad guy. But it's even on an independent level, like, your eight-minute match that should open the show going 16, like, you have <laughs> ruined the entire momentum of the card. And if these promoters are dumb enough to pay me a bunch of money to come in, I'm I'm not ha happy with that. Like, yeah. I don't want to go last. This show's going to be four hours. The crowd's going to be dead, and they're going to be happy. Right. <laughs> Good point. You know? Well, it's oh, you and I would start working not long after we wrestled Sting. Right. Were you intimidated by working with me? <laughs> did you write that question? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Derek Sabato. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't wait to throw him under the bus. I love it. Intimidation is uh, I know you don't get intimidated. It's not, that's not the word, because, I mean, at the end of the day, would, if I fucked around, I would find out you'd kick my ass pretty fast. So <laughs> I knew that going in. So the intimidation's gone. It's more like live up to your the expectations you have of yourself and of what your idol you want him to have of you so that is a pressure i wouldn't say intimidation as much as of a very strong goal to achieve that makes sense well said man you uh you're in full heel mode there's no doubt about it and never a better example of it as you decide to interrupt kurt's hall of fame announcement uh, I don't think there was, was there any better heel than you and TNA at this point? Cause oh, I don't no, think there was. No, he, he had more. I he, mean, you know what though? He was so good at it, the fans actually loved him. <laughs> and that's what happens when you're too good at being heel, right? They love you. I know. Ask MGF. He stole it all. Right. <laughs> that's the sound bite of the show right there. No, we're going to get the hits for that. But no, even I actually hit him up. Like when he was first starting, I'm like, 
no matter what people say, you're not copying me. You are doing you in your best way. And like, he's obviously done it very well. So, you know, I was a good role model. What can I say? You know what? <laughs> First time I heard him, I was like, that's EC3. <laughs> that's just what came to my mind. He, he was like, Why, is there a lot of heat there? Or? None at all. Okay. okay. Before he got big, he did a, a seminar I did. I think that was right around the time I was working with you. And I was just like, that dude's going to be a star for sure. So, but like, yeah, interrupting Kurt's speech. What I really take away from that is the the thing I thought of on the fly because I said, never meet your heroes because they're going to punch you in the face. Because he punched me in the face. <laughs> you beat me, and it felt like every time we were in the ring, you tore my MCL and then my ACL. Did you at least enjoy wrestling me? I, a wise man once said, look at me. I tore my ACL last week, and I'm fine. You were fine, Kurt. <laughs> you were fine. Oh, you don't know who that was, do you? No, I don't. There he wow. is. Yeah, that sounds like you. That's Brian Gwartz for you. Okay. I'm hopping around. Look at me. <laughs> Shit's gold, dude. Oh, what happened? Wrestling oh, God, I had so much fun. Yeah. No, wrestling you was, I mean, when I talked about locking up with Danny Bryan, it's the same. Like, yeah, fuck, dude. It was wild. I'm not going to lie to you. All right? Shit. <laughs> When I was growing up and I was becoming a fan of this shit, someone said, oh, yeah, you're going to be a wrestler? I'm like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, oh, it's your dream match. And I'm like, I'm going to wrestle Kurt Angle for a world title. And they laughed in my face. Ah, and you did. <laughs> and you won. And I won. <laughs> the damnedest thing. Sunset flip. Who knew? And I'm like, I enjoyed, that was 20 plus minutes of, I I can't explain it really. And I kind of like, I was going to give you like a kind of bullshit answer, but I think we're going to talk about it. I kind of wrote about it in something I did, but like it was, it was hmm, one of the best moments of my life. Really. Let's talk about it because you it, mentioned it, to me off. Awesome. Go ahead, Kurt. I, I had great chemistry off the bat with it. <laughs> when I, when I came hurt. back and you know, we're there, it's like, Hey, you you take some of the best Germans I've ever given. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm made. It's like, you know, you're of great timing. I'm like, nobody can ever say I suck ever because Kurt Angle said I'm good. <laughs> you. And, and at this point, you got to start thinking about, you know, your resume, Daniel Bryan, Sting, yeah. Kurt Angle. I mean, these are pinch me matches. They really are. You know, like when I talk about that lockup, this is an under the radar thing, but like, Daniel, Kurt, like a Cesaro. You like, like, holy shit, these guys are good. One name on that list that needs credit that probably never gets it is Eric Young. Oh, I had God, yes, yes. Oh, whoa. Most underrated wrestler ever, really. Yeah, yeah. Truly. So uh, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. You and I, you have referenced it a little bit already here early on the show, but you were telling me offline about a book slash online course, I guess uh, you'll call it, that you're putting together. It's a project for aspiring professional wrestlers. There's a section that you talk about how self-actualization and professional wrestling have a lot of parallels. Sure. And through your writing, you share what you call moments of perfection, EC3. And the example that I read about was that experience of you wrestling Kurt. 
So can you share a little bit about that project and that experience for you with Kurt? Yeah, the project, I, don't, I think you had Vinny Pacifico on here and he kind of talked about how I helped him out. And there's, you know, a handful of like guys that I kind of, I don't want to say taken under my wing, but provide the guidance I can. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what I think and I'm telling you what I know. And then I want you to figure it out and do you in the best way possible. So I realized I kind of have the ability. I'm still at the top of a game, my game, you know, I'm at a high level. I'm a world champion. And I think communication between generations is kind of lost where if I'm learning from Dr. Tom and, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Rip Rogers, Terry Taylor's, you know, who's teaching the next generation. And I'm not nearly as good as a coach as those guys, but some of the things they say, how can they be given and transcribed to the next generation? Because everything they talk about works. Everything they talk about is true to the game. And everything they talk about is not the way it has to be. It's how you can evolve it going forward. So I kind of pandemic, especially control your narrative. I started writing a lot where I wrote out like first thing was like 10 tenants of wrestling I have. And, you know, then it came about, well, I'm jacked as hell and I'm super in shape and I look fantastic. <clears throat> Here are six different ways I've dieted for certain events and how I reset my metabolism. So it's like all these diet plans and then it became like personal stories and how to control things like yourself and how to control your, your life, how to control your relationships on the road, which I don't have a wife. So obviously I'm doing great, but like all these insights I would have from kind of a deeper perspective, <clears throat> but one was self-actualization and how it translates to wrestling. Cause I think what's lost is people want to play characters and they don't want to become the best version of themselves or themselves turned up as Kurt would tell you as anybody who's ever been on the top, the best characters are not characters. They are the extensions of the person's personality because <clears throat> you are the only you who has ever existed. Right? So be the best you possible. I can't tell you how to be you. I can hopefully inspire you to find out who you are though. So within that, I wrote about the self-actualization and it was a moment of perfection, I like to call it, where I had the match with Kurt. And like, I, first off, I call it the night of a thousand German suplexes. <laughs> I believe it was 17. And so that makes me- I'm a little higher. Yeah, I'm super tough. <laughs> Ankle lock with the leg lock. I don't, but like in that moment, like, something happened going to the ring where like I was everything you think about in life. You're thinking about the past or the present or what's next or what have I done? And rarely can we be present in the moment. And I was present in that moment for 20 plus minutes of physicality and storytelling and emotion that like, this is the thing you need to achieve to have great moments or something that you'll never forget. So that was kind of the basis of it. It still sounds like a lot of mumble jumble, but I'm weird. <laughs> yes, you but are. we wanted to bring that out on the podcast. This is your opportunity to do that. So thank you for sharing. No, it's definitely cool. And like what I'll do with it, it's kind of make it an, either an online course or a book or both. And, you know, it's a very target demographic and it's a very niche thing. So, but through that course, I think there's a great idea to network 
aspiring professional wrestlers with people that are like-minded or how do people get booked nowadays? I don't know. How do you have connections? Well, if you're all in this kind of network, you know, you're, you're critiquing each other's work. You're giving each other advice. You're, you know, this is a great person that can make me custom music. This is a great gear person. This breaking down a classic match. I think there's like a, a big conversation that a whole group can have and make themselves better wrestlers, hmm. maybe better people. Podcast Heat is teaming up with the 14-time women's world champion, Charlotte Flair, to help raise money for Smile Train. And you have the chance to participate and win a personalized autographed photo. And how about this? A 15-minute private video chat with the queen herself by being the highest donor. Now, with your donation, Smile Train can provide life-saving surgeries and other essential care to children in need 100% free. A donation of just $21 probably less than your weekly Starbucks spend, can provide one cleft repair surgery. Without treatment, children with clefts may struggle to breathe properly, often severely malnourished due to trouble eating, and many face long-term psychological trauma as a result of relentless bullying. No child deserves to feel like an outcast, so join Smile Train Global Ambassador Charlotte Flair in becoming a champion of smiles. Your donation will provide the gift of cleft treatment, Donate today at championofsmiles.com. And remember, the highest donor will receive a personalized autograph photo and a 15-minute private video chat with Charlotte. Together, we can change the world one smile at a time. That's championofsmiles.com. You were there when Team 3D put Dixie through the table. Yeah. Uh, what do you remember of that and how that, did that all go down? The What I really remember about that I mean, the pop in New York was huge, you know, the buildup was fine. I think prior to the table thing, we had some wild ECW inspired hardcore fucking fuck fast. Like just getting hit with everything. Rhino spear and thing like just, you know, bullies popping in. Like it was just a nutso match. But then coming back out for that whole segment, witnessing your poor dear sweet aunt get brutalized through a table. It's, it was heartbreaking. But it was a big moment for the company, and they, they built it up well. And in classic Bully fashion, you know, he got the last laugh. Who, who would think it, right? Did you see the look on Bully's face after he did it? Yeah. He had that orgasm look. <laughs> it was great, man. I don't feel right watching this. Right. <laughs> but I think, ironically enough, one of my favorite things I ever did with Kurt, because you were kind of uh, acting as a GM at the time, or a figure, an authority figure is we did TV back to back. You had to arrest me and Rockstar Spud, Rockstar Spud and I, where you had us arrested. And it was all improv with like shoot cops and like we're throwing money at the cops and like <laughs> Spud's going crazy. And you know how he like, he's so fucked. He's crazy funny. And I remember like we're getting carted away and I got a bandage on my head from the blood from the last match. And we look at you and you're just laughing. <laughs> and it wasn't like I'm fake laughing. You're like, that was funny shit. It was funny, man. <laughs> you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> Let's uh, we're going to talk about you and spot a little bit because eventually you two split up and it's really one of the more, you know, compelling, well done storylines for, uh, you know, at TNA at that time period. Who do you credit with that story? I mean, was it was it you guys, the writers? Talk a little bit about that one. I would credit the company and the writers for giving us the platform to tell the story. 
because it was originally going to be a quick one-off because they wanted they wanted to get me ready for Kurt and you know having the comedic aspect was kind of negating the main event caliber heel they wanted me to be so but we were able to work it into you know six weeks of television that culminated in his hometown you know Birmingham I'm sorry it was in London but Birmingham's an hour away for the hair versus hair match but I really credit the company for allowing us to pursue that story because we really put a lot into it and we really built it up. And that's like when you give talented people the ability to create, and I think wrestling misses this greatly, you just let them create it. More often than not, you're going to get very memorable uh, television out of it. Well, you would go on to defeat me again, this time for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. What was that feeling like to get the world title? Yeah, I mean, well, that's the only time we wrestled. Yes, it is. Yeah. So everything we said about the self-actualization, I, will, <clears throat> I might I might get a little misty on this one because I can't tell the story <laughs> without feeling real emotion. So obviously it did something for me. But one thing about the Rockstar Spud hair versus hair match, he like he took a bullet from me to get me to you with the blood and everything. And like, I'll never forget that. See, I'm getting missy talking about that. Little bit. Man, he was, man. He was uh, he's still my best, bud. so mm. yeah, winning that title. Shit, man. You can't put it in words because what I wrote about is like, it was a culmination in a sense, it was a culmination of a storyline, but it was more of a culmination of all the bad shit and like the hard shit and the wrong stuff, the firings and, you know, broken relationships, all these things I had to dedicate myself to it and have it. So, yeah. My father and my mother and my, at the time, fiance, obviously that didn't work out, but I remember I hit the roll up win and it's like, you know, in wrestling, sometimes you win. It's like, I'm supposed to win, but then it kind of, it sinks in. And uh, if you watch it back, you can kind of see like where it hit me. I'm like, Oh shit, this is real. <laughs> we do the deal. TV goes off and my mom, dad, girlfriend, give him this hug, man. And it's just like, Everything went away that ever hurt. It was the perfect moment, dare I say. So Mark. it meant a lot, buddy. Thank you for the honor. That, that mountaintop moment, man. It's it, so cool. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, I well, came back and he said, I'm good at wrestling too. So I'm like, that's even better. Right. <laughs> you uh you go on to defend the title against Kurt and the now Drew McIntyre and Matt Hardy before losing the title to Matt. Man, but this, you just said it. This has got to be like the highest point of your career yeah. right now. Yeah. At the time too. But then, you know, the burden of responsibility too. Sure. And like, Kurt's kind of, he's winding down. Like, who's leading this thing now? And shit, it's me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that. And kind of trying to make sure you are. You're never ready for anything, really. Especially the role of leadership. But realizing it and having the endorsement of like him and others to be able to 
Well, not have the authority, but at least the respect of your peers to kind of to do that. And then you're the champion. Now the company's depending on you. So then you're you're flaking out over uh, the number dipped or this house sucks or these things that, you know, it, they're not distracting. They're necessary, but you're they, they get in your mind when you're trying to create and storytell and train and work hard and be the best at everything you can be. So. I don't want, it was, it was a worthy challenge. Definitely. Well, this is uh, not very good, but when TNA moved to pop TV, you win the title back from uh, Bobby Lashley and Matt Hardy in one night. Yeah. I feel like the company was going backwards with their TV deal. Did it yeah. sour the title win? Mm. Yeah. Cause we did. Cause the heel run was going well, but then we had the, the TV disputes. Yeah. So we kind of, I don't want to like, how oh, you taking the title off of me, man? I'm not ready. Like, no, like for business, we had to like vacate it almost because we had to do that world title series because we didn't know if we even had a show. Right. So we had to put 16 weeks of television in a can. So we have the pop TV deal and kind of, you know, it does feel like a step back in a sense. And I, I do remember that day and I'm wrestling Bobby Lashley and Matt Hardy on the same day and I'm, I'm fucking winning. And after the match, it it didn't have nearly the same feeling because it almost felt like that first one was really, really cathartic. The second one is like, this is what it feels like when it's just business. And I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And, and you would become the grand champion, EC3 for Impact. As you said, you tape a ton of TV, uh, you have part ways with the company, and but yet you're still on TV. Can you talk to us about what happened there in January of 2018? Yeah, I kind of had a little Rick Rude moment, I guess, right? Mm. Or, I'm sorry, Lex Luger, we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like the company was changing guards, and then, you know, the knives were out for, there was multiple suitors for the company, you know, with William Patrick Corrigan and then Dixie, and then there's Anthem. And then Jeff's there and, you know, each and every day it was hard to know who's your boss and you really had no dog in the fight. You just wanted clarity and purpose and a goal to strive for. So that was tough. And I think that was like the tough part of trying to lead through that is like, we can't worry about any of this shit. We got to just worry about what's in front of us, which is today's show. So that came about and I kind of realized, you know, the grand championship, cool win it but at the same time i have full confidence in who i am and my abilities now that i have unfinished business and i thought that was a wwe so you know talks began and when anthem took over it was just do i want to be hanging around in the upper mid card and like i need i constantly need to evolve as you can tell by my stupid blonde hair <laughs> evolving is very important and new challenges need to be to arise so they probably wanted to get away from you know i had a pretty good deal so maybe they want to save money maybe they want to push somebody else and like they're not anchored by having to have me do something so it's very i don't say it's mutual but it was like we both understood it. that's the best thing for business is if i have something personal to attend to go give it a shot while I can doors always going to be open while at the same time, if I leave, you can build four or five, six people. And if I come back now, I have four or five, six people to work with. So then I'd be fresh again. So then, yep. Went over back to uh, WWE and NXT. 
Well, you would appear at NXT, sit in the audience for a takeover while still being on Impact TV. Um, what was your, were you thinking about returning to WWE? Was that, was that what it was or? Yeah, I think it was always a thought. More so after the, like, that world title series and then the kind of, like, not distaste, but just the unfortunate nature of seeing the business side with people fighting for ownership. And just, yeah, WWE's like, it's still there. I, I know I can do it because I've done everything I can here. And you know what? I want to work Orton and I want to work Cena. You know, that's, and I can't do that here, but I, I think if I do it right over there, I'd fit right in the mix. So yeah, coming over to NXT and being on impact was kind of cool. But what I really liked about that is I was terminated via having the, uh, the feast or fire suitcase. And there was a lot of fun vignettes where I'm holding my suitcase where I think I'm, yeah, I'm good to go. I'm EC3. Nothing bad can happen to me, but you know, the way we wrote it, every person in the locker room walked by saying, you're gone, man, you're fired, you know, shit like that. It was very fun and jesty kind of way out. So, and I gave a hell of a promo on the, off the cuff when I did get fired. If I recall, yeah, it was excellent. I'm really good at talking. <laughs> yes, you are. Here's the thing though. So you never really got a chance to get going in WWE. Can you talk us through that a little bit and your concussion in November of 2019 and, and share a little bit about what was going on yeah, with that like as concussions well? and, and they put you in a dark place mentally, you know? So with NXT, yeah, I was going over there like as a free agent and hot pick and we're going to have a decent run, but the idea was always to get to TV. So I wasn't going to be an NXT guy like Gargano and Ciampa and Cole, you know, were, so to speak. But like, hang around till we find something for you. And I remember too, the call-up, and I think Kurt could probably attest to this, like, when I had the call with John about being EC3, everything felt right. And when I had the call about the call-up, I, I was like, I'm not excited. I don't feel this is right. Like, it wasn't a bad call, you know, but it was just like, this doesn't feel right to me. So, you know, you go there, and I'm programmed with Ambrose right away, and I win, but then he's kind of on the company outs, and then there's heat develops because we're working together, but he's a baby, or he's a heel, and I'm a baby face, but people are booing me, and they're cheering him, so we switch it up on a live event, and for some reason, listening to the audience gets you heat, and then the next week, it was kind of like, return the win to him, and it was just the shits, and then even on the call-up, I was fresh off a concussion from NXT, so that's also a reason it didn't feel right. Like, am I even cleared? I don't know. But the call-up happened, and then, you know, when you get lost in the mid-card or the low-card and you just become desensitized and unemotive and sad that your work suffers and, you know, no matter how much money you're making, to me, like, <clears throat> creative satisfaction means so much more. So the concussions happen and I'm out for four to six months. Cause I had three pretty nasty ones and mm. bang, bang, bang. And then here comes a pandemic and we're fired. So in a nutshell, not a good time. <laughs> we were both released from the WLB on the same day in 2020. How'd you take it? And did it light a fire under your ass? 
the, the first one lit the fire of vengeance and death to anyone who ever steps in front of me. The second, the second one, like I kind of said earlier, was a relief. I remember, like, dude, we didn't know what was happening within the world. I'm locked in my apartment. I'm doing fucking living room yoga. And it's on my phone. And then I just see Rockstar Spuds calling. I'm like, no way. Ignore. Bank. And then three seconds later, Mark Carano. I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting fired today. (laughs) You know? So that happened. But, like, again, very much it was a burden lifted because I didn't have to worry about it anymore. And it wasn't a good feeling by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't like, yes, I'm a hot free agent. Now look out. I'm going to, I was just kind of like, do I even like wrestling anymore? Right. You know, it was just like, what am I, if there wasn't a pandemic too, and I hated this about a lot of people, but there was a time because AEW started where every idiot on the roster I'm asking for my release from the WWE. And I'm like, don't put your fucking business public, guys. It's just, it just seems childish. If you have an issue, take it up with the people that you want to talk to and just have that courage, I think, is far more respectful than getting a, a non-line mob to support. Yeah, you should. Yeah, show them you're buried. Like, who cares? Like, handle your business like a, a, a professional. But I did kind of, should I ask for it? And then... How can I, though? Because there's a pandemic going on and I have a family. And what if they don't have money anymore and I'm still making money? So that's kind of the thing that held it back. But they did the favor for me. So it's cool. Hey, I got it. And I want to ask. So you got the call from Corona. Kurt, you said, hey, we're released the same day. Does Corona call you too that day? Do you remember in 2020? Yes, Corona called me. Told me, hey, we got to let you go. Actually... I, I wasn't that into my job. I was a producer and you know That wasn't your thing. I, I was I was killing time. Yeah. And they knew it. Like I knew that if they were gonna do cuts, I'd be the first one uh let go because they were paying me a lot of money, more money than other producers to, to do it. So I knew that if they were gonna do cuts or if they were gonna let go of someone, I'd be the first. I, I, I didn't put much into it. I really didn't. I, I should have been a lot more passionate about it. You know, it was hard. It was hard for you, I think, because you kind of seemed to be in. The, you were like, we're in the main event show, and you were producing in the main event. You know, you did try. You were very helpful. I think you produced a couple of my matches. One with No Way Jose, I remember. Yeah. But like, really, kind of, you did try to bring me up because you can see in my eyes, I'm fucking just whatever. But. <laughs> I think if you didn't have passion, you didn't show it too much, but you did not, you did seem like you, you wanted something else. If yeah. Least, yeah. I, I'd rather have wrestled, but you know, that wasn't going to happen. I would have wrestled. Start a pay-per-view now, man. <laughs> Let's promote it. <laughs> oh boy. NWA championship title on the line. Yeah. yeah. Put it on the line. Absolutely. Oh, he said, "Absolutely, here we go. This is this is better than what I thought. Here we come." I'm on the phone with uh, William next week, so maybe you can. He's he's he's, he's going to be on the Kurt Angle show That's next right. week. He's yeah, next be on week. The show. We'll set it up. Yeah, yeah can't wait. So uh, let's transition out of the WWE days. 2020s come and gone, and for a short period of time, EC3, you actually signed with ROH, and 
and you team with the Briscoes. So, um, you know, if you can kind of walk through. Really pulling the heartstrings. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So with Ring of Honor, like, because the release happened and everyone's doing TV. And like I talked with Impact and I was talking with Ring of Honor. It was just something different. And if I go back to Impact, I'm starting a new thing, like the essential character. I got the head shaved. I'm just grunt. I'm a, you know, I'm a psycho boy. Like I'm barking at all the, you know, world's wrongs and, you know, crazy shit. And like kind of filming, creating the own character, so to speak, with, you know, nothing impeded. Because one thing about the release from WWE, I'm like, I can make a better character with a brick wall and a camera than 25 writers who are just pounding keyboards, making fucking gibberish nonstop with like no depth or anything. Like I can do better on my own. I mean, not as many people will see it, but that was kind of the motivation behind that. So went over to ring of honor. Yeah. I teamed with the Briscoes, but what we really did was build up to another one of my favorite matches, which was unfortunately in an empty arena, but it was, me versus Jay Briscoe. And that's probably number five on that list I mentioned, where it's just like, wow, okay, this guy's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so good. And, you know, he spent his whole time there that I, you know, I don't know. I hope they do, but I don't know if people know how good he really is. But I think too, again, as you said, you look back to see who you were able to work with. What an opportunity, right place, yeah. right time, right? Yeah, truly. And then what I loved about that match is that, uh, you know, in the ring of honor, one thing about the pandemic, I think wrestling missed the boat on is that we went so far out there with, you know, no selling and dives and finisher kickouts and all this shit where like it all became diluted and watered down that, if we're going to do empty arena wrestling, who cares? We can bring it kind of back and then kind of reset it into a realistic atmosphere. And then again, start busting things out and evolving it. So with ring of honor though, you know, empty arenas, six man tags, people flipping, flopping, jumping all over the place and beautiful athleticism, but no, no meaning and no purpose and no reaction. But the match I had with Jay, I think we went about 20 minutes and, had one near fall hmm. like you know like the whole match like talking about like no matter what you're hitting your finish and winning and i'm not reversing it sure as hell not kicking out like let's make the finish mean something and we worked 20 minutes and it was a next story and i'm a heel and he's a baby face but i'm on a cell from some things and i really liked what we did with that match well you would even wrestle braun Strowman, then known as adam Shear. And it was in a cinematic match. What was your relationship like with Braun? And were you surprised to see him back in the WWE? Um, he needs to be there. I'm absolutely not surprised. That's where he wants to be. He's at his best when he's when he has the outlet, that television outlet. Not the fame so much, but the ability to like maybe touch people's lives in a sense, especially like kids and things like that. So him being Braun, you know, walking around, being friends with him seeing the reaction he would get with children and things like that. And I think uh, that's what truly motivates him, which is a great motivation. So him being on that show, it doesn't happen if he's not as much. So I had no, no problem with him going back and did, did totally expect it. But like with the cinematic thing, with the control your narrative idea, like what we created outside of that with 
creating the intent to create this platform for talents to kind of have a a place to either be discovered or to reinvent themselves. Wrestling is not in front of an audience. What can we do differently? And it's kind of shoot it. Not cinematic like Gaga and people disappear and everyone's got special fucking powers and bullshit, but like, can we get a an aesthetic that is realistic and physical and kind of really captures the emotions facially of what people are going through in wrestling? So that was the idea. And he's, he's a pretty good big man. Who knew? He's incredible. Kurt has talked about him and him as a performer over and over again on the show. And hey, we, we wish him to continued speedy uh, recovery. Yeah, I just him. saw him yeah, at uh, Wyndham Services and he looked in, in good health and good spirits. Good. Considering the fact that we've all lost. <laughs> you know, <laughs> damn. Yeah. <laughs> You uh, let's uh, we'll transition because ROH, right? So they uh, they're sold to AEW, and uh, any discussions with them at all? I talked with them a little bit before or when I was with them, but I was signed with Ring of Honor, and then by that time, I think uh, the internet tried to cancel me for a bunch of bullshit. That's okay. not true. So no, I think Tony Khan actually thought I was legitimately whatever the internet said I was at the time, which is pretty unfortunate considering um people listen to lies and their finances and their personal lives are therefore you know dependent on the opinions of a mob that doesn't know what they're talking about well, when does you and billy corgan sit down to discuss going to nwa that was probably shortly after and originally when i left impact that's when the nwa started so i was in talks with him and dave about being uh, kind of that, like Aldis was, or working with him and kind of having two guys to kind of how they told that story long term into the build of what NWA was to become. So, always been close with Billy. I've always respected him. I always really appreciate A, his honesty, B, like his vision, because I love the visions of successful people that love wrestling but aren't in wrestling. Because I think wrestling people get conformed and stuck in the same mindset where they can't look outside the box to maybe find a different way to do things. So the idea was there, but I ended up going to the WWE and uh, talking with Billy after that. He wanted to bring me in for a pay-per-view and then see where it went. And I was very into it. And they had one idea and it was the one idea I really didn't want to do. So I pitched them another idea and they were cool with that. And now I'm the world heavyweight champion. So, like that idea. I wanted to work with Tom Latimer because I don't know if you guys know another guy. People do not know how good he is. And, you know, he had the demons and that's who I'm wrestling at the, the, the Salween pay-per-view 1028 live in Cleveland, Ohio. Kurt, I'll drive you here. Let, let, let's talk about it. You got Sorry, that show, NWA Salon. You said it's Saturday, October 28th. You're defending, as you said, against Tom Latimer. Camille in the corner. You're going to have to deal with her too, right? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I've dealt with women my whole life. You know? <laughs> I've always worked out terribly. But, yeah, coming in. So that's almost a, a year turnaround on the story we're telling because I legitimately wanted to come work with Tom because I legitimately wanted him to be known the best he could be is how good he was. And the idea was to bring the best out of him. And at the time I was a crazy, you know, 
psychopath yelling and, you know, speaking in riddles and shit. But now that kind of like, I mean, I don't want to say it sucks for him, but what's he, he is missing one thing because I did usurp him and I did become the champion in the short amount of time I've been there while well, he's been there a long time. And I hope that's the thing that lights a fire under him to be the absolute best he can be. Because if my goal is to be the, the greatest NWA champion of all time, up yours, Flair and Steamboat and Dusty. No, but to be the greatest NWA champion of all time, I have to beat whoever is the best. And I think Tom Latimer inspired and vind- you know, vindictive is the, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And man, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this event and it's going to be fun. Like you said, your hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, how can uh, our listeners, uh, watch it? What we're streaming platform, all the good stuff. If you can share with it, cause we want to make sure that we have a, a plenty of support headed the NWA's way. I was a businessman. I have a better answer. I think it's on fight TV. No, we're on fight TV for pay-per-view. Um, if you're in the, you know, greater Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, Louisville, Detroit area come check it out live there you go as a champion i need to draw a house no but so there'll be a you're a marketing guru man (laughs) i'm a show uh yeah the masonic Mm -hmm. temple in cleveland ohio so there's 1028 nwa style win myself versus tom latimer on fight tv live in cleveland um yeah i mean that's that's the marketing aspect but really, it's about what we're doing now in that kind of new era of the NWA. And so since, you know, NWA 75, there was a turning in how this company is being presented, portrayed, pushed, shot, filmed, worked in. And uh, another thing where I now have that experience I talked about earlier, like, was I ready to be a leader? I don't know, but I am now. And so... It's exciting, and no matter what, I go down with my ship. Listen, we're excited. We're going to have, as we said, Billy on next week. We're going to talk about the kind of the, I guess, regional territory type expansion. That's exciting, too. I'm the first. Could you believe it? Like, here's something so wild to me. Like, A, talking to an idol that I wrestled. One of my favorite musicians, I'm a partner in a wrestling company with and i'm his champion and it's the nwa like holy shit life's crazy but to have a a guy like that is faith and you know respect enough to be the first to kind of try this out is daunting but very meaningful because you know as anybody having faith in people in wrestling sometimes isn't you know the best course of action for what people will end up doing. So I know he's been burnt in the past, but if he can have confidence and faith in me, like I'll do anything to own that. AC three, this has been tremendous. Thank you so much for coming on the Kurt angle show. Kurt, this has been great, man. Yeah. I had a blast. EC three. Thank you. Well, there's, I mean, I got, I can't lie to you. Like I got all my nutrition in today. Thanks to my chicken snacks, (laughs) which I do love. This guy is brilliant, man. He's he is always prepared. Always. I went I called five different supplement stores to find uh Project One cookies and bread today. But it's not in there yet. And I couldn't get it. Amazon Prime cannot deliver it in time. I love you That's for that. Not my fault. 
it's not. Hey, we, he was all in. He was Kurt. You don't even know this. We were texting separately, and he is like, "Where?" He was like, "What's?" He was all in on finding all your products, man. It, They're it was, only at the GNC franchise stores right now, not the corporate. Oh, got it. Yeah, no, bastards. I know, right? Well, I'll post it on Instagram. I'll tag you. There you go. <laughs> Promo code Angle One. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for being with us, man. Really do appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, brother. I'm going to keep following your career. Thank you very much. Honored. All right. Take care, my friend. All right. Take care. You're good to go. Man, Kurt, how fun was it with EC3 this week uh, on the show? He's entertaining. He's funny. He's serious. He's intense. You know what? It's one of the smartest wrestlers, pro wrestlers of all time. This guy is so clever. He, he always has everything prepared and he's always ready for whatever's in front of him. It's just incredible how he is. Kurt, listen, this show normally goes an hour and that's it. We're at an hour and 15 and I don't care. I'm here for every and single minute of it. Yeah, yeah. This was, this I, was so good. I could listen. I mean, great stories, uh, a mind for the business, his, his, uh, emotion, just talking about certain things. And what, what I had a great time with him. So such an honest kid too, man. Oh, Just straight so up honest. Yeah. We said it a few times, but guys, next week, the owner of the NWA is going to join us. That's right, Billy Corgan. And uh, we're going to have a great time with him talking about the company, EC3 as his champion, their progression, and where they're heading as an organization. So definitely come back and check that one out. Also, we talked about a lot about some great matches with you and EC3 from Impact. So, Kurt, if they want to check them out for themselves, all they got to do is go to impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and That's sign right. up with code Kurt. And uh, they'll be able to check it out there. Guys, listen, if your business targets 25 to 54-year-old people, Kurt, he's still in that demographic at least for two more months. There's no <laughs> better place to advertise than right here than with the Kurt Angle Show. You can check it out, advertisewithangle.com. We talk about it every week. And listen, we appreciate your support, but we want to talk about your product or service, and it's it works very well. We have You hear ads on this show, and it's because we have advertisers that are extremely happy with the performance of how this show does. We want you to be a part of it too. So advertisewithangle.com. Find out more about advertising with the Kurt Angle Show. Also, subscribe. We're breaking that 65,000 follower mark on YouTube, growing every day. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash the angle pod. Also check us all out on social media. Kurt Angle has one of the most entertaining social media accounts to follow. I'll tell you <laughs> that. That's how I keep up with what uh, this guy's doing. And it's a lot of fun. But Kurt, as we get out of here this week, EC3 mentioned some amazing snacks. You got them. <laughs> Smart snacks, baby. Tell us about Smart them. Smart snacks, crispy protein bites. Uh, there are 11 different flavors. There's whey protein, chicken protein, and organic plant protein. Go to physicallyfit.com to order yours. You're going to absolutely love the flavors. They're all incredible. I, I eat these every day. They're part of my diet, and I stay pretty fit. That's right. This I have the pizza flavor here, and uh, as you can tell, it's opened, and uh, it's good. It tastes like pizza, a pizza snack. It's pretty good, yeah. Cheese yeah. pizza, yes. Yeah, cheese pizza, and um, listen, zero sugar. Uh, who doesn't yeah. need more zero sugar snacks in High their protein, life? low-carb, yes, sir. This fat guy does, okay? He needs <laughs> it, so there you go. Also, as EC3 brought up, it's uh, we're talking Project One Nutrition. Who doesn't love a good cookies and cream shake? Kurt Angle has it for you, and uh, tell them where they they can find out more about that, Kurt. 
Herengo's Cookies and Cream Protein, American Dream Cookies and Cream Protein. It's Project One Nutrition. Go to projectonenutrition.com to order yours. Uh, you're going to absolutely love the flavor. It's the best tasting protein on the market. There you go. Finally, KurtAngleBrand.com. That's where you can find those wonderful cameo messages, which Kurt loves putting together, uh, as well as the cowboy hats, the milk cartons, the birthday cards, uh, whatever you want, T-shirts, check it all out there. Christmas is approaching. Autograph and photos. And to autograph photos. The whole, the, whole, <laughs> the whole ball of wax, as he says every week. Lastly, got to plug it. Go to boxofgimmicks.com. There's new shirts and sweatshirts hitting the site we have the rose threw up a new new one for me yes we have the rose from the uh that yes, you wore dom on your slinglet dom, dom got that one yeah. he has one now with the olympic uh, gold medalist that looks like you with the godfather did you see that one too <laughs> yes, black and white that's out there Pretty too cool. yeah yeah. He's kicking ass for us, and we he can't is, thank man. him enough. So check out all the new Angle merch. Kurt, thank you so much for uh, for doing this with us this week. Thank you, Paul. Had a blast. I always do. Ah, there you go. Right answer. That's the only right answer. <laughs> On behalf of your Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle, this is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week on The Kurt Angle Show. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here to talk to you about my friends over at SaveWithConrad.com. Are you looking to get out of debt? Conrad and his team can make that happen faster than me firing the hockey talk man. Wow. And you know that controversy creates cash, right? Do you know what doesn't create cash? Credit card debt. Save with Conrad can help you consolidate high interest credit cards and all of your other debt into one low monthly payment. They can even help you get the cash you need for home improvements or anything else. They've helped 83 weeks listeners save 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. Seriously, your papers are going to go down faster than Nitro ratings in 2000. Ouch! And how about this? No house payments for two months. That's right, no house payments for two months. And unlike the dirt sheets, man, the reviews do not lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team can save you by checking out SaveWithConrad.com today. You'll be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.